1: in this town, there is no off season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, the season's still quite a ways away, but OTAs weren't. We had a chance to hear from offensive coordinators today. Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, was one. Uh, Bubba Ventrone, the new special teams coach. Uh, was also one, and, of course, Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator. So plenty of those things going on, and uh, OTAs were interesting for week number two. I'm Andy Baskin. He's Daryl Ryder. Daryl, give me the big headlines from OTAs uh, week two.
2: Well, um, post-practice, it was Jim Schwartz. He kind of stole the show during uh, media availability. Um, Probably one of the most candid press conferences involving a coordinator, That I've been a part of I mean he wasn't trying to keep state secrets today he's like hey man we're gonna rotate eight nine guys on the defensive line we're gonna you know some three uh safety looks out there you're gonna play inside and outside if you're a corner I need versatility I need guys that can do it all um he did. He tried to be just a little dismissive of the talk about influence that he had on the, uh, the defensive makeover while also conceding, well, yeah, I mean, there was communication about, you know, what type of player would fit and things like that. So I, I did find that uh, double talk somewhat uh, entertaining. I thought Alex Van Pelt was also pretty good. We'll get into what he had to say about Deshaun Watson's. Uh, progress. Uh, we visited with Watson at the uh, 23rd Annual Cleveland Browns Foundation Golf Outing on uh, Tuesday. And he certainly sounded uh, very confident. And uh, based on what Van Pelt said, based on what I saw during OTAs, Andy, you're starting to see some improvement. We'll get into that, obviously. Uh, and then uh, I, I just love Bubba intro. Uh, Again, just another one of those guys, doesn't have any time for any BS, just tells you what's on his mind. He has joined the Daryl Ryder against the new kickoff rule club.
1: (laughs) Congratulations uh, to you and Bubba.
2: (laughs) Membership of two that we know of.
1: So, Daryl, let's go go through some of these headlines right away. I thought one of the things that Jim Schwartz said – early on that I thought was impressive was he said, we are going to change on that defensive line because we can, and their offensive line can't. And I love that philosophy.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, not trying to keep state secrets, Andy, he's just like, Hey man, we're allowed to rotate guys. We can rotate guys. They can't. And the, being a baseball guy that I am, I love that he constantly uses baseball analogies in his, his press conference. And he basically said, Hey, we want to be throwing 100 mile an hour uh, heaters uh, at the offensive line and opposing offenses with uh, our defensive line. And because of how aggressive we expect those guys to be, Andy, um, we need to rotate so that we can keep our guys fresh. So look for when the final roster comes out. I, I expect no less than nine defensive linemen to be kept on that final 53, or I should, let me rephrase it, on the initial 53 man roster. It's never a final 53.
1: Um, the other part of Jim Schwartz's press conference, the part that I, uh, that I, I kind of was digesting was his notion that, you know, Kevin Stefanski is clearly the head coach and Andrew Barry is clearly the general manager. And while fans may sit around and go, well, if this doesn't work out for Stefanski, You know, Jim Schwartz is right there, head coach's experience. He's in waiting. He's plan B, blah, blah, blah. That is not the gist I got from Schwartz. Um, Extremely respectful for uh, the chain of command that's going on. And I didn't think it was lip service. That's the other thing. A lot of times you see guys sitting in a spot like that where it's like, you know, you got to respect this, but you kind of know what's coming down the road. Um, And I didn't think it was lip service. I thought he was sincere and genuine about the structure that now sits in Berea.
2: Jim Schwartz is old school. That, that's what it comes down to, Andy.
1: Look, do, do I believe
2: he could potentially be the head coach in waiting should things not go the way we all expect him to this fall? 100% absolutely. One of the main reasons the Browns hired Jim Schwartz was his experience and the fact that he has, also, hey, he has head coaching experience too. And he had success in Detroit. He ended their playoff drought, right, uh, when he was with the Lions. Unfortunately, wasn't able to sustain that success in Detroit, which ultimately led him uh, going back to being a defensive coordinator, but won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, has a previous relationship with Andrew Berry. So it's not a far-fetched, uh, it's not a far-fetched theory. Let's put it that way, right? That if things go south, he could uh, go ahead and take over uh, as head coach. But um he is as you said respectful of the chain of command he knows his role that's one of my tenants in life i i always try i don't always succeed but i just i always try and stay in my lane i know what the hierarchies are i know who gets priority in front of me and and things like that and i, I just try and stay in my lane and jim schwartz is the same way did he have a lot of input on the defense and their acquisitions of guys like dalvin tomlinson and going to get zadaria smith uh yeah of course he did J- as much as Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski had influence on some of the offensive acquisitions just as much as Bubba Ventrone had on some of the uh, the special teamers right uh, the depth guys that were brought in so it, it's it's not a bad thing it's not a sign of dysfunction in fact it's a sign of a perfectly functioning organization when you have your various heads of your departments contributing to the overall <laughs> employment, right? Uh, you know, of who they're, who's being employed. I mean, that, it's like that in every business you know, of course, department heads, uh, which I call coordinators uh, to, you know, make that analogy with just, you know, the regular business world, coordinators are basically department heads. Um, you know, department heads have a say in who gets hired and fired uh, in business. And uh, you know, so these guys are going to have a say, Jim Schwartz is going to have a say when it comes to the 53 man roster on the defensive side of the ball. When it, you know, who stays, who goes, uh, if, if there's a guy on the bubble um, at the end of training camp, Andy, and they're having a debate, guess what? He's going to be able to throw in his two cents. That doesn't mean that Andrew Barry is just going to go by what Jim Schwartz says, but Andrew Barry is going to listen to Jim Schwartz. And I think Andrew Barry is going to do everything he can to give Jim Schwartz the players he wants, or he feels, We'll be able to get the job done defensively for him.
1: Um, I, I'm trying to think of you know I, we can go through some other the other defensive things that came out today from Schwartz again not hiding anything, being extremely honest. And I, I mean they gave, I, you know you said he had his hands in things, but I do think the Browns set themselves up for success on defense and on offense too. But I think they're more set up for success on defense than they've been in a really really long time. That said, Miles Garrett's still not at camp, uh, not at OTAs, I say. And I know it's optional. I get it. You know, we were talking with uh, Jamal White, former running back for the Browns today, and it just kind of says something, though, when you're not there. When the coaches gather at the end of the night and they talk about everything that happened and, you know, not that Miles is losing his spot, not that Miles is going to be, you know, looked at anything more than a superstar when he goes out to play, but you know, it it says something to young players when a guy who doesn't have to be there is there. And optional is very much a wink-wink thing when it comes to any sport. You know, and if you do have a legit excuse or maybe something's going on and coaches know about it, they're always normally cool about it. But I'm just, I'm wondering if there's any long-term effects with Miles not being at these OTAs and and the tone that could be set if he was there.
2: So my take on... The Miles situation is this. Yes, it's 100% voluntary. He is not required to be there. And it shouldn't be held against him. With one caveat. He's not the leader of the defense. And I think it's time that media. And I think it's time that fans. Start to realize that. He's not the leader. And I want to make it very clear. I'm not bashing Miles. I'm not criticizing him. I personally, don't feel it's in his personality to be a leader. I think he's a great player. I think he's a future Hall of Famer in the making. And just because he's paid as well as he is doesn't mean he has to be a leader. And as a member of the media, I'll take some responsibility for being one of many guys to this point in his career that have looked at him as he is supposed to be the leader. And I will admit Maybe in this instance, Andy, I have erred by putting that on him that he's the leader of the defense. He's not. He should not be a team captain. I don't think he's a captain. I don't think he's a leader. And again, I'm not criticizing him. But leaders go above and beyond. That's what leaders do. They don't do the bare minimum that's required. And Miles Garrett is well within his rights to do the bare minimum. He has the resume to back it up. Number one. Number two, have we ever at any point in time questioned his work ethic? Have we questioned him uh, being in shape? No, the man is a a specimen. So um, I just feel like that we collectively need to stop putting leadership on Miles Garrett. That to me is now unfair. And I because I don't know that he wants to be the leader. But, yeah, you can't be the leader of a team and not show up to voluntary stuff. That's just my two cents on that.
1: There you have it. That's a defensive part of OTAs. Let's get to the offense and that one name that uh, seems to be a rumor that keeps floating around the Browns as well. We'll get back to that next. It's always game day in Cleveland.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: It's always game day in Cleveland. I'm Daryl Ryder. He's Andy Baskin. Quick reminder, mobile sports betting is finally legal here in the state of Ohio and BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or by downloading the BetQL app and claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers.
1: He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. One of the big stories over the last week is the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is looking for a new team, and we all know that Deshaun Watson, his former quarterback in Houston, uh, calls Cleveland home now. If you want to go through the headlines that are out there, the athletic, well, why the Browns' pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins would make sense and what could happen, you want to look at NFL.com. Deshaun Watson would love to have free agent wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins signed with him, so on and so forth. Um, you know, they, he would love to. Uh, uh, there's just all kinds of headlines out there about him. Um, and then stories about maybe his work ethic when it comes to practice and would he be a good fit with the Browns. And all of these stories are out there. Alex Van Pelt did touch on him in a sort of a weird way today, just saying that he loves his wide receiver room. So, Daryl, take it from there. What did ABP have to say? about the, the theory that maybe Hopkins could be interested in the Browns?
2: Well, he just basically said, if they're asking my opinion, uh, they're talking to the wrong guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: because he's not a, similar to the Jim Schwartz thing, right? Understanding your role, understanding chain and command, things like that. And certainly AVP did not want to say anything out of uh, out of alignment with the organization and uh, certainly didn't want to make headlines. Look, I, I, I don't think there's anyone in Berea, Ohio that – Right now, as we have this discussion, Andy, Mm -hmm. uh, that would not like to have DeAndre Hopkins become a Cleveland Brown, right? Um, Although, you know, I'm seeing some stuff online because, you know, doing some research into the guy and maybe what went on in Arizona and things like that. And, you know, I see some of the national pundits saying, well, he's he's way past his prime and he's lost his speed. And that's why the Cardinals moved on and the culture change and, and, and things like that um i, I look I, I think he's a very talented guy he and deshaun watson made music when they were in houston all uh, the three years that they played together he was a first team all pro and a pro bowler um they scored at i think 25 touchdowns off the top of my head over 3500 yards i mean it, it just it, it was beautiful so uh i'm all for it i just i don't i didn't they're probably going to have to cut half the wide receiver room to make room for him. But um, I, uh, I I still don't feel like it's realistic that it's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's out there because of the Deshaun connection. There's no question that Deshaun Watson's got the full court press going right now. Other players on the Browns are you know trying to do their own recruitment. Yes, the Browns are going to explore it. Um, I, I just I don't know if much is going to come from that exploration at this point.
1: All right, what else did AVP have to say uh, week two of OTAs?
2: Well, on the subject of uh, num- n- number four, um, right. I I thought that um, just from my own two eyes, uh, last week to this week, and keep in mind, we're only seeing one practice. And, uh, and that's why I-, I try not to make too much of OTAs anymore. I know this time of year we're starved for content, and you know we're, we're all looking for – signs of what's to come this season um and i'll tell you i've covered otas where they look like they were super bowl contenders and the team ended up winning four and five games right Uh, i i've covered otas where they look like crap and they uh actually ended up not being all that bad to watch so i just try not to make uh, a lot of otas but the one thing that i noticed different this week the last Deshaun seemed more connected with his receivers, especially down the field. Hmm. Um, He hit a beautiful, toward the end of practice, and came right in, basically, into my living room as I was standing on the sideline. I had a a great view of it. Uh, And it was a touchdown, by the way. I'm with you, Marquise. It was a touchdown. Um, Beautiful deep ball down the field. That's the thing about Deshaun, man. He throws a beautiful football. He really does. Uh, it just it effortlessly rolls off his fingers, um, but yeah, more connected down the field. And Alex Van Pelt mentioned that uh, today. He had a, a seam route to Elijah Moore that Van Pelt said gave him goosebumps, made the made the hair stand up on his forearms. He said, "I can't remember the last time that's happened to me." He, he, Deshaun dropped the football right over a defender and hit Elijah Moore on the money right in front of his face. Uh, And, and he was able to, to make the catch. So that's the biggest thing that a, I noticed with my own two eyes watching practice. And then Alex Van Pelt kind of corroborated that in our uh, post-practice discussions with him.
1: All right. What else did we find out about the offense today? Anything else?
2: Well um as far as all of the fans in the media and uh, by media I mean the the people that don't cover the browns um right. and, but you know just like write a, write a bunch of stuff and you know upchuck on keyboards about the browns and the state of certain position groups without yeah. actually knowing what they're talking about Sure. What do, you, uh, do
1: you want to call anybody out in particular? or no? no,
2: I, I would never do that. Um, I would just say that I think they're fine at running back and Alex Van Pelt once again, supported my theory that they're fine at running back right now. Look, they they've got, uh, you know, they've got plenty of guys going at that running back. Uh, the art, I call it the RB two competition, Andy, uh, right. you know, behind Nick Chubb, you got Jerome Ford, Demetrik Felton, uh, John Kelly, and Van Pelt said, hey, there, there's a spot to be had there. There is a there is a job, an opportunity for somebody to step up.
1: At RB2, at RB2, yeah. right?
2: Okay, right. Uh, he praised John Kelly. Uh, he praised Demetric Felton. Uh, I actually followed up on Felton because he, to me, is a little bit of an enigma. And the reason he's a bit of an enigma because, well, they, they drafted him late in the 2021 draft and he's basically spent all his time with the wide receivers okay he spent a little time with the running backs but the vast majority of his time on practice fields has been spent with the receivers well as we have just you know as we previously discussed wide receiver room just a tag crowded right little Smith right. crowded they, they they don't have room for him so now he's back with the running backs and van pelt uh so i asked van pelt and said hey where does this dude fit in and uh basically alex said hey uh, we now know he can catch. He did a good job uh, with that for us. Um, you know, we haven't g- given him a lot of reps uh, in the backfield much, but he came out as a running back. We know he has the skill set and uh, the fact that he can be that slash player for them. They look at that as a, a bit of a benefit. So I think that regardless of him bouncing around those two positions, Andy, if anything, I think that strengthens his case to at, at worst be the number three running back. So the way I kind of look at it, it's between Jerome Ford uh, and um, John Kelly for that number two running back job. I have sure. to include Demetric to be fair to him, right? But I'm thinking they're going to keep three running backs because they want that slash player that Demetric's going to, you know, go ahead and be able to give them. So I'll say that uh, you know it'll it'll be uh, the other two competing for the two spot.
1: All right, it's always game day in Cleveland, Daryl. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the players that spoke today, and uh, also a special trip for some of the guys uh, to learn a little bit about their backup quarterback and his interests off the field. We'll get to that. It's always game day in Cleveland. it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right. I do want to talk about two things in this last segment here. Uh, one was a trip that the team took and two uh, was a press conference that I thought was really eye Um, And that's wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, who came over from Seattle and he shared some super interesting stories, especially about his sister who has cerebral palsy and you know why he plays, why he plays so hard. And also talking about his Olympic track career as a long jumper and I don't know if you've ever had a, a chance to see him jump. He is absolutely spectacular. He defies gravity uh, when he's, when he's jumping. And that's why you can, you know, put him in the Olympic realm when it comes to jumps that are 27 plus. And uh, it, it is spectacular to watch him jump. So uh, what'd you think of that, uh, that press conference sir?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, um, it certainly, uh, you know, caught my attention. No, no question about it. Um you know, uh, we forget for as great of a, athletes as these guys are they're you know, they're human beings and and they have families. And, uh, oftentimes we, we don't know, uh, a lot, uh, about what these guys, you know, have dealt with in life and, uh, you know, their why, so to speak, you hear players talk about all the time, their why, uh, and it's, you know, it, it's his sister and he recalled, um, when he was young, um, you know, uh, hearing her pray and hearing her pray that, you know, someday, you know, she could walk, she could know the what it meant uh, to walk. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he just said, Hey, when I think about that, um, it adds perspective, he, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, he humbles this, him it makes him grateful um and even like um when he told the story about when he uh, had picked her up to walk in front of a, a mirror and you know uh
1: just so she her, could see what it was like to stand yeah, up in, in yeah. front of a mirror and he talked about showing her a movie.
2: picture on his phone and um yeah i mean it's just it, it just it it grabs at your heartstrings, you know, uh, you know, when he mentioned the part about, you know, it's three, four in the morning and he could hear her praying just to have the ability to walk. And, you know, he just basically said, hey, that that's that's uh, why you never will hear me complain. You'll never hear me not be grateful. Um, and, and and, you know, that's that's what motivates him. And uh, you, you are right. He is a tremendous athlete. His speed was on display uh, during Wednesday's practice. By the way, dude can still fly. He's still got it. I mean, he he was talking about, you know, winning bets and racing when he was a kid in the, in the neighborhood to make a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. To, to make a buck. And yeah, real seems like he's just a, a real great guy. And it's, it was one of those press conferences, Andy, that knocked you on your backside and put life in perspective versus, you know, the fate of the Cleveland Browns and what they do on a football field 17 times uh, every season. Like the, the Browns are, are an escape, they're entertainment. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Is that, let this me ask is you just this. real heavy,
2: real, real heavy life stuff that just really, like I said, uh, you know, knocks the wind out of you, so to speak.
1: Daryl, it's been interesting the last two weeks because we, you know, we heard from Zadaria Smith last week and then, you know, you turn around this week and hear from Marquise Goodwin and you're actually hearing stories about personality that you normally don't get in press conferences. Is that a change in attitude in Berea? Is that the, or is that veterans who aren't scared to speak their mind? Or is that guys who just don't get, they obviously, I don't know. Obviously they're not, regulars in front of a microphone all the time. Maybe they are if they continue to tell stories and share stories the way they are, or is just bronze media kind of backed off a little bit and said, you know what guys be yourself.
2: Well, I, I will say it's been refreshing the, the candor, the honesty, the openness, uh, the trust from them to share things with us. Um, I mean, I've seen a side of Kevin Stefanski this off season that I'll be honest with you. I I didn't realize existed. Um, (laughs) So, uh, and it's and it's been fun. I, it's a good thing. I'm I'm not I'm not being critical here. I mean, it's great to see, uh, you know, Kevin when he's not the coach and answering questions in front of cameras and. Well, I mean,
1: he's great one on one, Daryl. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, just, You know,
2: the abilities. You know, and I think now the pan, you know, the pandemic seems to be behind us, and that we can have those normal interactions again with people. But yeah, it just it goes back to. These are people, right? It, it, you know, we're all people. We all have feelings. We, we all have families. We all have our backstories. We all have our scars. We all have our successes and things. We hang our hats on. We all have our tenants in life that we, you know, our rules that we follow and, and our own beliefs. That's what makes us all, you know, individuals and stuff like that. And it's, it's really nice to see that coming out of that uh, locker room Uh, in that organization this offseason it's been really fun Um, and uh, you know a lot of respect from you know from my perspective because you know the the easy thing for them to do would be just get up there and just give canned answers for everything which believe me we've had plenty of years where that was the case so the fact that um, we've had guys and even coaches I mean god Jim Schwartz today just you know basically laying it out like right even when he was asked about Greg Newsom he goes hey man Uh, The last thing that I'm concerned with are my players feelings like that's not what we're here for. And then he said, listen, I'm not criticizing Greg. That's not a negative. He has done everything and anything that we've asked of him. But I just want to make it clear. His happiness is not at the the top of the list. Whether or not he can play and do what I need him to do, that is. So it's just the the honesty has been and the candor has been very, very refreshing. And I, I, for one, uh, respect it. And appreciate
1: it, Daryl. Speaking of that, and getting into a little personality, both uh, both Meredith Kane, who's our uh, esteemed producer of this show, and I uh, were able to take a trip over to NASA today. And the story goes like this because it's it's just super interesting. The Browns would have made a trip over to NASA today regardless, uh, because Josh Jobs, the backup quarterback, it uh, was an aerospace student in college and had an internship for NASA prior to coming to Cleveland. And when he got to Cleveland, he reached out to NASA in Cleveland, and they welcomed him with open arms uh, to be able to continue his education there. So what was interesting is Jeff and I had him on the midday show, and we started asking him questions about it. And he said, well, you know, uh, if you ever want to come out to NASA, I've, you know, we're definitely hooked up over there, and we'll take you out. And what was interesting was one of the uh, marketing people, media people at Uh, NASA, her boyfriend, was listening to the show at the time. So the next thing you know, they reach out to us and give us the opportunity uh, to tag along with the Browns today. And Meredith and I were both there. And I got to tell you, not only was I fascinated watching members of the Browns learn about physics and things that are going on with our aerospace program in the United States uh, with NASA, but um, just how many firsts and how many how important uh, the Lewis Research Center is to things that are going on in our daily lives that you don't realize. Uh, Meredith, what was your take uh, as you took the tour today?
0: Um, It might have been one of the coolest things that I've done since coming to Cleveland. It was so much fun. It was really, really cool. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they're doing at the NASA Research Center. That's not just, government stuff it's not just iss international space station stuff like one of the very first things we looked at was the it was the icing research tunnel and they said that basically every single aircraft ever commercial business government anything has gone through that icing research tunnel to make sure that the planes know how to or they know how to properly de-ice the planes because if the planes are flying through clouds and then they get ice on the wings they're going to fall out of the sky and that's how they figured out how to keep planes from falling out of the sky was at this research facility in Cleveland Ohio it was it was so cool like i'm still kind of like coming down from an excitement high on it cuz i just i had so much fun i forgot for a long time, that there were even Browns players there. (laughs) I did did too. I'll be honest
1: with you. I did too.
0: I was so just entranced with the stuff that uh, we were learning, but I did notice, and this was one of the things that I thought was so cool. I think for probably the two hours, nonstop, Josh Dobbs was talking to all of his teammates about science and about the things that he was learning and about the things that he was working on. And they were just absolutely fascinated with what he was saying Uh, he just looked he looked so in his element talking about science he looked like He he was having a ball and his teammates were having a ball like it was very very cool to see
1: yeah and meredith at one point uh there's a picture it's on the internet of deshaun watson inside a small aircraft and josh was explaining the instruments in front of him while deshaun was sitting in the cockpit it was I, like yeah. i was like wow this is really cool stuff i mean we learned i you know the the interesting thing is is that 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 glenn research center um has changed and it originally you know was uh, you know big in the war in world war ii and that's when most of it was built and it's amazing to me how those structures out there have stood the test of time the the first building that she was talking about simulates clouds indoors so that they can figure out how the motors and how the engines of these airplanes uh, fly through clouds and then get condensation and make sure that they don't ice up. In fact, the next time you're sitting on the wing of an airplane and you look at the wing, you'll notice that those wings are gray for the most part, and then like a tinny silver on the edge that flies forward from the plane. That tinny silver, which I never realized before, is a heating element to keep um, condensation off of the wing to make sure that it doesn't freeze up and become ice all developed in Cleveland. And then the other parts of the tour were just as fascinating to, you know, we, we sat there and then they, they, I didn't realize, you know, they simulate zero gravity here in Cleveland and, you know, they do it with a tunnel that uh, it drops straight into the ground. Uh, that's just a little bit short of the terminal tower. The hole is, and you would never realize it when you drive by or you've, you you know, a lot of people just think about NASA and Cleveland, as the hangar for the airplanes, and that's all they ever see is a giant building. It is a campus out there. Um, and, and it was just fascinating. The zero gravity stuff was was fascinating. Uh, the robot dog that they had, where they the guys, and I found this out too, Meredith. I don't know if you caught this. They built a doghouse for this uh robotic dog, is what it looks like. It's actually, you know, a robot, and they built a Browns doghouse, a dog pound uh doghouse for him yesterday. And it looked like it sat there all the time. That was cool. Plus, we also got to see the terrains of Mars and the terrain of the moon uh, to see how these 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 uh, orbital landers that go onto the either the moon or Mars, how they will drive. And then it was just cool to see that the tires that they're using to be able to get around both planets are made, you know, from tire companies in Northeast Ohio. So it was just it was absolutely fascinating. And. There were a bunch of players, Meredith. I don't know if you want to touch on that, too, because the players have been uh, out and uh, they've been talking about, you know, what they saw at NASA as well.
0: Yeah, well, and the cool thing is that it's it's not just that the players were there. I would say every single one of them were really, really engaged. They were asking questions. They were really, really curious. Like, I would say um, Amari Cooper, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, and Deshaun Watson were probably the three that were just... You know, if they wanted volunteers to do something, they were like, I want to volunteer. If there were questions, they were, you know, asking tons and tons of questions like they were all so interested and just so engaged in this whole thing. So it looked like they were thoroughly enjoying it. So, you know, in in the few moments where I actually noticed that there were Browns players because I myself was really engaged in the educational content. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like I was uh, looking down the um the zero gravity tunnel and it took, and I was, you know, talking to someone next to me about the tunnel. And then it took me a second to realize, Oh, that was Amari Cooper that I was talking to about the tunnel next to me. Cause I was just so engaged in learning that I just forgot who was around me. And I think they all kind of had that same experience of just being so excited to learn what the Glenn research center has to offer. So it was a really, really cool experience. And I'm like, so grateful that we got to go and like i said it is easily one of the coolest things that i've done since coming to ohio
1: so daryl i'll leave you this you want to know what the number one question they were asking especially in the beginning was you want to guess what what would you ask someone who works for nasa
2: who's been
0: on the moon
1: uh extraterrestrial life close oh, yeah yeah, yeah. they were asking about life. they were
0: asking about a lot about aliens they wanted to know if the aliens were there they wanted to know Uh, especially when we were at the uh, zero gravity tunnel, they wanted to know if there were any uh, subterranean cultures that were living down there that we didn't know about. So uh, some of the questions were goofy, but I would say 99.9% of the questions that they were asking were very serious.
1: It was, it was really cool. And it was a great experience. And uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about it. uh,
2: Hopefully NASA told them that uh, if uh, they want to know about the aliens, they got to go out to Nevada.
1: There you go. Although I'd be surprised. You never know. One of us might be an alien. You never know. He's Daryl Ryder. She's Meredith kane our great producer. Uh, we had a great time at NASA as well. But uh, the OTAs are center stage and listening to the coordinators were the big story of this week. And we'll have more coming up. As you know, that if you like the podcast, well like the podcast that's all you've got to do and if you have any questions for the show you know how to do that too on social media all you need to do is go to game day CLE on Instagram or Twitter for Daryl and Meredith I'm Andy Baskin it's always game day in Cleveland